0: This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 384.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Revel Race Series. Revel is an incredibly fast and remarkably beautiful series of full and half marathons. All of the races feature a fast downhill slope and spectacular views. The next race takes runners from the canyons of the Wasatch Mountains to the foothills of Salt Lake City, Utah on September 10th. It'll be the 10-year anniversary of the Revel Big Cottonwood. Register at runrevel.com. Use the code MTA10 for $10 off the Revel Big Cottonwood. Once again, that's runrevel.com. Use the code MTA10.
0: Thanks also to MetPro Nutrition Coaching. You can speak with the experts who help me fix my metabolism, lose unwanted weight, and drop my marathon times. See what they can do for you. The consultation call is free, and if you decide to work with them, you can get $500 off their concierge coaching with our link. That's metpro.co forward slash MTA. <laughs>
1: welcome to the marathon training academy podcast where it's all about empowering and inspiring you to go the distance in this episode we speak with Erin azar the mother of three from pennsylvania who became an internet sensation after sharing hilarious videos of training for her first marathon as a quote slightly overweight person who drinks too much beer if you've ever struggled in your running i know you'll resonate with what Erin has to share today and keep listening to the end of the episode because we're going to share important information on how to safely return to exercise after having COVID or any other viral infection. And of course, don't forget, as a member of the Academy, you can get access to all of our back podcast episodes, going back all the way to the first year of doing the show, as well as all of our premium courses and content, training plans, and more. find out how to become a member, Would you visit marathontrainingacademy.com. All right, so before we jump in, We thought we would just uh, share some fun facts about ourselves. I hear other podcasters do this. So Angie, go first.
0: Well, I was going to say initially that my fun fact is that I'm not very fun, (laughs) at least according to you. And that's a fact. (laughs) Um, But I really love to work out. I do it six days a week and I have to force myself to take one rest day a week because it's my jam.
1: Fun fact about me, I am an expert at taking rest days. (laughs) All right, well, it's great to be back on the mic. Angie, there has been, since the last time we recorded a new American record in the half marathon, the old record didn't stand for very long.
0: That's right. It was set back in January by Sarah Hall. But uh, Emily Sisson ran a time of 1.07.11, which took four seconds off the previous record. She won the race at the USATF Half Marathon Championships in Indianapolis by six minutes.
1: Yeah, and we actually got to meet Emily.
0: That's right. Yeah, at the Boston UCAN event. So it was really exciting to hear about her success. Well, we have some wonderful shout outs that I'd like to read. This one comes from Fred. He says, I recently ran my first marathon in Maui at the age of 62. Participating in the MTA virtual challenges here helped me build the confidence I needed for the marathon. Wow. I finished in six hours and two minutes.
1: That's awesome. Welcome to the club. And uh, you picked a beautiful place uh, to run your first marathon.
0: This note comes from Mar. She says, I finished my very first half marathon in Hamburg and I had a blast. Thanks to the MTA beginner's training plan, I felt awesome the whole time, like I could go on and on and on. I'm feeling pretty confident for the Amsterdam marathon in October. Thanks MTA and thanks to this group for being so inspiring. I was just going to say, Trevor, did you feel like you could keep going on and on and on after your first half marathon?
1: (laughs) I did not.
0: I remember you describing the experience feeling like boat oars were slapping the bottom of your feet.
1: Yeah, my feet were really sore. Yeah, so congrats Mar on finishing strong at your first half marathon. And maybe you should go on and on and on.
0: (laughs) She will. (laughs) This comes from Kathleen, who is a member. She says, thanks to the help of MTA coach Antonio, I was able to PR at the Dropped half marathon by two minutes. I finished in 151 and got third in my age group. This race is a hidden gem in the North Georgia mountains. I've been doing half marathons since 2005, and I guess I'm getting older, but not slower. She says, yet. Thanks for all the MTA support. I could not have done it without you.
1: Love it. Congrats, Kathleen, on the PR.
0: And this email comes from Michelle in Michigan. It's a little bit long, but I really like what she has to say. It says, hello, Angie and Trevor. I found your resources a few months ago during the middle of my marathon training. I recently became a member. I wanted to reach out and let you know how much I appreciate the wealth of information you've put together on the site. I've always been a runner of shorter distances and viewed it as a have to do versus a want to do. That all changed when I said, to hell with my pace, I'm going to run at whatever pace doesn't leave me out of breath and hating this. Slowly but surely, my distance began to increase. I remember celebrating five miles, six miles, and then double digits. Before I knew it, the half marathon didn't seem all that impossible. I ran a few shorter races and finally a half. I absolutely loved it, but knew that my journey was just getting started. I decided to pencil myself in for the Cleveland Marathon. I dug in deep during training and absolutely loved listening to the podcast in the Academy Vault during the first few hours of my run. I'm not much of an emotional person, but standing in the corrals this past Sunday in Cleveland was a tearjerker. It all hit me that I'm out here doing this. I was in awe. I had taken something seemingly impossible and broken it down one mile at a time and made it doable. I'm so thankful for a body that, number one, survived everything I put it through in my 20s, number two, brought a new life into the world, and number three, finally made it to 26.2 miles. I really couldn't have done it without the mental training. I had to use every tip and trick in the book. At 23 miles, my body was using everything in its arsenal to get me to stop. My knees were burning, my right hip felt horrible, my back felt like it had a pinched nerve, and of course a blister on my pinky toe was excruciating. I think we've all been there with how our body can rebel against us. Oh, yeah. She says, I was able to use association and also visualize the pain cave. One other tactic I pulled out of the toolbox was labeling emotions as I received them. Before I knew it, the positive voices became louder than the negatives, and they were the ones yelling, you are almost there. Finish this thing. You've got this. I left nothing on the road and finished with a warm welcome from my husband and son. Thank you again for all the support you've both offered. I'm registered for Detroit come this fall, and I cannot wait to start training again. Keep up the awesome work.
1: Wow. Thank you for that email, and congrats on finishing your first marathon, digging deep, and discovering that you do have what it takes. That's what it's all about.
0: That's right. I really like how she shifted her focus away from you know, being performance pace-based into just really enjoying the run and enjoying her pace. And, I, you know, it kind of reminds me of the interview that we have today um, with Aaron, who really tries to find the joy and the fun in running. And, of course, training for a marathon and running a marathon is definitely all about having mental strength. And I think Michelle really illustrates that well.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good strategy going into one's first marathon is to not be worried about pace. Just try to finish strong. And then if you like it, work on pace at the next one. That's right. Well, we have Erin Azar on the uh, episode today. Angie, what can we tell folks about Erin?
0: Well, she is a mom of three who became a TikTok star known as Mrs. Space Cadet. And she started running in 2019 as a way to add some zen into her life. And she just kind of started to document the process on TikTok and didn't know how much it would take off. She now has over 700,000 followers and 31 million likes. And she refers to herself as an expert struggle runner and struggle lifer. And her goal is to make running more approachable for beginners.
1: Yeah, she's just hilarious. And she's also on Instagram, of course, and everywhere else. But she's just been able to connect with so many people who also find that they want to run, but it's a struggle. And I think what makes her appealing is that a lot of her videos, it seems like she's just showing the awkwardness of life, which is really funny.
0: Yeah, because we're all awkward, even though we often try to put our best foot forward. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I think she says and videos the things that a lot of beginners think or have thought or, you know, that even those of us who've been running for a long time can really relate to. Yeah, one of my favorites lately is she kind of does this ongoing series big thigh problems and I can totally relate because I have big thighs and she calls her thighs that they gobble shorts and so they you know like ride up and get very uncomfortable and so she tries like all these shorts to see if her thighs will gobble them and you know so it's kind of a, a funny series but yeah she just does all sorts of really funny and interesting little segments and relatable oh of
2: course yeah
1: so here is our conversation with Mrs. Space Cadet Aaron Azar
2: If your thighs eat your shorts, this video's for you. I saw this somewhat relatable looking mannequin wearing Nike at Dick's Sporting Goods, and I took that as a sign that I should apparently buy the shorts that I would never dream of running in because my thighs touch. As we know, shorts gobbling season is upon us, so I went ahead and I bought myself a pair. Let's see what happens when I run in them. Ladies and gentlemen, the shorts have been gobbled. Gobble, gobble, chomp, chomp. I guess some optimism had come over me. they're cute, you just have to walk like this, or walk do the sidestep. Let me know what else I should try so you don't have to.
1: All right, we're on the podcast now with Aaron Azar joining us from Pennsylvania. Fellow Pennsylvanian, welcome to the MTA podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to talk to other Pennsylvania people. (laughs) That's right. So we'd love to
0: hear how you got started on your running journey. What was the motivation behind starting something that's so hard?
2: My motivation was really, well, at the time I had just had my third baby. So I had been like either pregnant or breastfeeding for like five years at that point. And I think I was just really run down and I was um, working. I didn't have maternity leave. So it was like, had the baby and I had my laptop like on the bed after my C-section. So Ugh. I think I just had a lot of stress put on me. Um, even though like I had help from family and stuff, it's just a lot like as a mom. And so I think with just like the exhaustion and everything, I felt so unhealthy, more unhealthy than I've ever felt before, (laughs) which is saying a lot because I feel like in your 20s, you really, you know, aren't that good to your body. But um, so I think it was honestly like desperation to just get my body moving and like the blood flowing and just kind of have like a start to something to make me feel healthier. And as, you know, a mom with a new baby, she was at this point like maybe three months I felt like, okay, I don't really have time to get to a gym because... Even to get to one is like 30 minutes from our house. So that's an hour in the car. Not going to happen. And I never had luck like sticking with workout DVDs or like (laughs) workout videos. And at the time also that it was like, I feel like the stars aligned because it was also nice weather out. It was kind of like the end of summer. And I'm like, I'm just going to get out and see if I can run. And I always tell people that my sneakers were so old that they had holes in the sides. Like you could put your finger through it which is so horrible to think now that I ran on that. Cause I know how bad that is, but I went out and I ran, I think like barely a mile and I was really like disappointed at my pace and was kind of down on myself, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this every day for 30 days just to like build a habit um, and get my, mo- my body kind of reset. And I decided to film that for some reason. I look back on it now, I'm like, what made you think that was like a good idea? Because everything was horrible. My mood was horrible. I looked horrible. I just was miserable. But I mean, I'm glad that I did. I just don't know what was going through my head at the the moment. (laughs) And but yeah, that's what really kicked it off. And once I realized how good that was for my mental health, that was my huge, huge, huge why. And that's what made me really stick with it. So that's why I'm still doing it.
0: <laughs> that was awesome. So that was in 2019 that you got started with that? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, right before the pandemic, Wow. Yeah. yeah, what a tough time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so take us to back before you started running. What was your impression of running and runners before you got started?
2: Yeah, I think my conception about running before I started, I just always looked at um first of all I always thought that track and cross country were the same thing like I just recently learned they're different. So I always looked at runners like even in high school as just kind of these like weirdos that did this like they liked to punish themselves. I just I honestly didn't get it because um even like the short time that I played sports, um running was punishment. Like if we talked too much or you know we lost a game that we should have uh won, you had to run and that was punishment. So I see these People, you know, and of course, I'm looking at them like, oh my god, they're so super skinny, and they're running out there like for what, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was where that kind of started, and even before that, it was the gym class mile, which was torture. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think my, I don't know, negative thoughts about running started pretty early. And then in comes social media. So that was around the time like I was pregnant and stuff like that is when I started watching um, like YouTube videos and things like that. And whenever I would see anything about running, because I would look I looked into it before like, oh, can you lose weight running? And like all my reasons were wrong um, (laughs) to start. But the ones that I saw were like super fit people. I mean, like chiseled abs. They look like models and they're like, this is how you can lose weight running. And I'm like, you you already, that already happened. Like I want to see somebody that hasn't lost weight yet and, you know, or like transform themselves in some way. I want to see them mm-hmm. before. And then, you know, in comes Instagram at home of the, I feel like it is, it's shifting now, but when I was, you know, looking on there for like relatable runners when I wanted to get started, I couldn't find any. Mm. Um, So I think my misconception of it all was that it was not um, approachable for beginners. I was terrified to go into a running, like a run specialty store or even like a big box running store. I was scared to go up to one of those like track kids that's yeah. supposed to get you fitted for a shoe. Like that's so <laughs> intimidated when you're a mom, you know, like frumpy in your 30s. So I think I can't like pinpoint one moment in time where I had those misconceptions, but it was kind of like a slow build of them all.
0: I think that's very common for people. And then there's like the whole barrier to like doing a race because we often have misconceptions. You're going to show up at this race and you're going to be the only one who looks like a normal human being. And just, <laughs> all the rest of these people look like gazelles. They look fast. Yeah. You know, you're going to be the last one. And I think that all kind of gets in people's heads and they don't realize that they're runners of every age, shape, size, all different motivations. And, you know, we can be united um Just because we run, so I'd yeah. love to hear how you got into it and you know had a mindset change, obviously,
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like sometimes we look at runners and you know obviously, when you go search for runners online, naturally you're gonna come to the bigger ones first, right, and of course they're gonna be really serious they're gonna be very concerned about their fueling and their um their paces and all the fancy types of runs they do. But I think it's important to also kind of have representation of people that are doing it for fun or are doing it for mental health and just to feel good during their day. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't always have to be like that really serious, intimidating thing.
1: I know that's why your content resonates with so many people. Uh, So how soon did you start posting on TikTok after you you got into running? And you, you talked about videoing that first run. Did that make it into early TikTok?
2: You know, what's funny is I don't think I was running for that long before I was like, I'm going to train for a marathon. Wow. And yes, yeah, so I remember shortly after that, I was, I think, running one mile and I just decided, no, I'm going to do a marathon. I couldn't run three miles. So hmm. that still blows my mind. But so I know for a fact that I started very early on posting them to TikTok. Because of like the weather that I saw in those early videos. Um, So it was shortly after I was like, oh, I'm gonna train for a marathon. Um, So I basically started posting the same type of videos on TikTok, but obviously just shorter. And one of the first ones went viral. And I was like mentally preparing myself for a bunch of, you know, 12 year old boys to bully me in the comments because I was not showing myself in a good light, you know, so (laughs) that was not fast. Um, But instead, I saw all these comments that were like, oh, my gosh, this is such a breath of fresh air. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I wish I saw this more often on social media. And that's where shortly after that, that I started seeing comments like, I just ran my first mile too. Or you made me realize like, I don't have to be fast. I can still run. And that was like, I I realized, wow, there's this huge gap in terms of what's on social media and what people kind of want and also need to see on Mm. social media in terms of running.
1: That's awesome. You really have an eye, I think, for content. And just the timing, the pacing and the videos are so entertaining. Did that come about just naturally or you kind of have like a, a background in that or how did you
2: acquire yeah. this
1: particular set of skills?
2: <laughs> well, thank you for saying it's a skill. <laughs> 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 but I think it a, a lot of it came naturally. But before that, I was also, you know, posting um to YouTube or sometimes I would just make videos uh, throughout my day and just send them to my friends or my mom or something okay. um, because I'd be having like a really particularly crappy day, so to speak. And um, it made me feel better to like edit it in like a funny way, you mm-hmm. know, and just showing the chaos, but <laughs> being able to laugh at it later. So I think I had experience in like knowing how to make something not funny, funny and just being able to see the humor in it um, before I started on TikTok.
0: Kind of highlight the absurdity (laughs) in life
2: and running. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, that's really what it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So did you ever guess how kind of the team struggle run training would resonate so strongly with people?
2: No, I really thought that it would help me find like a couple other mom runners out there, maybe some um, because when you think about TikTok honestly the when I especially when I started any video every single video will go on somebody's for you page which is just when you're scrolling it's the people that you know you don't follow but they just show up hmm. so that's the for you page and any video can get out there so I'm thinking okay there's how many people on TikTok at some point, a beginner mom runner is going to see this video. Yes. And we could be friends and, you know, we could like commiserate about this stuff. Um, So yeah, I thought maybe I would have, I would say 10 to 20 mom friends or dad friends, like just parents in general that are like trying to survive, but also try this whole running thing. I had no idea that it would turn into this and one of my biggest eye-opening moments happened the other day at boston marathon or during the boston marathon weekend kira damato who i've been following on instagram i mean obviously she's the american record holder for the marathon we just
1: had her on the podcast two episodes ago yeah.
2: oh my gosh i'm like <laughs> a, such a fangirl and she finished the 5K, and I was, of course, I'm filming for TikTok, so I have my phone out, and I was like, Kara. and she's like, "Oh my God, I'm obsessed with you," and I'm like, "No, wait, what? I'm obsessed with you," and and she told me, like, she came around the fence and and talked to me for a little bit and said that the things that I say on my runs. Um, whether they're funny or not. She's like, I have those same thoughts. And, you know, everyone has those same thoughts. So to me, I think it was really eye opening in the fact that like, wow, she's a professional. Um, She's a mom. Holy crap. Still doing that to that Mm -hmm. level. And she also struggles, you know, she's also on team struggle run. So (laughs) it doesn't at first when I started, I'm like, I'll find some other beginner runner, you know, moms or dads or whatever. And then it turns into this and I'm like, wow, okay, we're, <laughs> we're in the big leagues now.
0: That's right. Well, it's kind of like you had the courage to say those things out loud that everyone thinks at some point and then to put them out there. In a
1: really funny in way. In the public
2: eye, yeah. yeah. Right, right, yeah.
1: <laughs> I like the one where you were out running and it's cool because I can tell it's in Pennsylvania because it just looks like like our home turf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you were like, aggressive nature shot and you're like slamming your phone in the bushes. <laughs> yeah. This is great.
2: Yeah, I actually saw a TikTok uh, or maybe it was on Instagram. I forget. But they it was, um, I think, like a filmmaker or photographer. And they were showing how to get these creative nature shots using your iPhone. Mm -hmm. So I was out there forever trying to do this and just wanted to see if it would work. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm doing aggressive nature shots and I'm just going (laughs) to hit this flower with my camera.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: <laughs> I think another really popular um, one of your videos is your running outfit of the day pose. Mm-hmm. Tell us how that came about. And since this is audio, it's going to be audio going out there. Try to describe it for us. You know, oh, for people yeah. who are wondering what this awesome pose looks like.
2: <laughs> yeah, my my running outfit of the day pose. So it's basically you you stand with your feet kind of shoulder width apart. You put your, hand, your arms out, bend your elbows a little bit. And then you tuck your butt in like you're holding in a fart. Yeah. <laughs> and and you you kind of just like stand there very unattractively. And that really honestly came about because of Instagram. So when I started on TikTok, I was getting a bunch of followers and they um wanted to message me. And I was like, Well, I can't get messages on TikTok. I think now it it changed, but at the time I would have to say, Can you message me on Instagram? Well, I didn't have anything on Instagram. Like, so I'm like, I need to get, you know, some pictures up there. This was before reels. So reels is my jam. Like I, (laughs) I can easily make a video, but pictures are hard for me. (laughs) So I was trying to pose and I honestly looked up poses on Instagram and I was trying to do them. It was kind of like similar to the nature shots. I'm like, I can't freaking do this. So I just stood there like that. Uh, To show my outfit. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I felt really good doing that pose. I'm just going to keep doing it. (laughs) It's
0: (laughs) like the opposite of a power pose. You know,
2: (laughs) it it, it literally is.
1: It's very awkward. And that's what makes it fun.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's awkward. And now my Instagram stories are like, if someone does that pose and they tag me, I just share it to my stories. So some days, especially like long run days, you know, typically are on Saturdays or Sundays. It's just, you can click through my stories and see all these people doing it. It's so funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you you talked about in the beginning, of course, it's a struggle to get into running, to build up to that first three miles. And then uh, you decided just to take the plunge and train for a marathon. What was your, your first marathon?
2: Well, it was supposed to be the Philadelphia Marathon and that I signed up for it before the pandemic because obviously I was running a mile and I'm like, I'm going to run a marathon. So that's what I (laughs) signed up for. Um, The pandemic hit, everything was canceled. And I noticed that a lot of people either stopped running or they stopped enjoying running because their races were canceled. But for me, I didn't know any different. I didn't have a race. So... (laughs) I started without that uh, motivation and I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep going. Little did I know that I was actually helping people to stick with their running because mm-hmm. I was kind of showing this different mindset that you can have. And I ended up sticking with the same date of the what the Philadelphia Marathon was supposed to be. I think it was November 7th or something. And so I set up a virtual run for charity and we raised, I think, like... I don't know, $14,000 or something for Mary shelter, nice. a local wow. women and children's shelter, which was the best feeling in the world. That was my first taste of what level of good that you can do with a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm obviously like addicted to like charity runs <laughs> and everything. Yes. But so that was really rough because, you know, a virtual marathon, I was saying before, it's like a A fancy way of saying I ran 26.2 miles in circles back to my hydration. Right. It is not glamorous. I honestly will never do it again. Um, Uh (laughs) But I finished. Everything hurt. Then the post-race blues hit me, which nobody told me about. Hmm. It's like I feel amazing and now I feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. And so I didn't really know that that was a thing. I thought I was like I thought I was just really depressed. Mm. And obviously what runners do apparently to get out of that is to sign up for another marathon, right? right? So So that's what I did. Um and I signed up for the New Jersey one, but that was obviously canceled as well. But that's how the New York City Marathon happened.
1: So you ran New York City last year?
2: Yes, I ran it in November, and that was, I understand now, like, why people run marathons. Because after that first virtual one, I was like, screw this. This is the (laughs) dumbest thing I've ever done. (laughs) If I didn't raise that money, I would be like, this was such a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Not doing this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation thus far. We'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, the Revel Race Series. We are so delighted to be partnering with Revel because Angie got her marathon PR at a Revel Race.
0: That's right. Revel Race Series really works hard to put the races on in incredibly fast and remarkably beautiful places. They often start near the top of a mountain, and then you wind down into the valley for a nice fast finish. And their next race takes runners from the canyons of the Wasatch Mountains to the foothills of Salt Lake City, Utah, on September 10th for the 10-year anniversary of Revel Big Cottonwood. It features a speedy downhill slope and great scenery. It's a really good place to set a PR or finally hit that Boston qualifying time.
1: Some specs here. There is an elevation drop at Big Cottonwood of 9,696 feet for the full marathon and 7,200 feet for the half. Listeners to this podcast can get $10 off. Just go to runrevel.com and use the code MTA10 for $10 off. The Revel Big Cottonwood, which takes place September 10th, 2022. Runrevel.com and use the code MTA10 for $10 off. Thanks also to Inside Tracker. For sponsoring the podcast. You can get 20% off the Inside Tracker store if you go to insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. This company exists to help you understand what's going on under the hood, so to speak. Uh, you get your blood tested. It's really convenient. They'll come to your house or you can go into you know someplace local. They send it off to the lab. Inside tracker analyzes your blood, they'll help you figure out how and where you're optimized and where you're not.
0: That's right, and you'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on optimal exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your specific body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or your Garmin, you can also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. We've used Inside Tracker a number of times over the years, and I find it really helpful, especially for me since I have to watch my iron levels really closely. I tend to get low um, in iron, which can definitely affect my
1: performance. Yeah, so check them out, uh, especially if you haven't had a blood test in a while. InsideTracker.com/mta for twenty percent off the entire Inside Tracker store. So I'm guessing that what you struggled with when you first started might be a little different now. The struggle's always there; it's always real. But
2: that's very true.
1: You know, going back to the team struggle run idea, do you have different things you struggle with now that you're a more experienced runner?
2: Yeah, I, I do. I feel like the type of thing that I struggled with in the beginning was just really negative self-talk, self-doubt. Um, if you, if I can't run these 10 miles, how the heck am I going to run 26.2? Um, because I didn't know if I physically could run a marathon that, that first training cycle. So I think after I did, even though it was really hard and I didn't do like Great. (laughs) Um, I still knew I could physically do it. So then that self doubt left, and in came like, what's the new struggle? Um, definitely humidity. I feel like I will always struggle. Mm. It doesn't matter. I I sweat a lot. I Mm -hmm. have like this constant stream of electrolytes going in, and I'm still dying of thirst. And yeah, I get dehydrated very easily. But so yeah, there's always new struggles, but there's also always a new group of people that are gonna see that and relate and mm-hmm. work through it together. So it's there's i I never look at a struggle as like, oh. This is, you know, going to keep me from running or or anything like that. I'm like, I'm going to make a video about this because I guarantee someone else out there sweats as much as I do. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
1: right here, we have her right here. Yes.
0: Oh, I like hi, new I best friend. sweat like standing still. I'm like, <laughs> sweating now. Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm still sweating from my run what is it? Half hour ago. Oh, so,
0: 100%. Yeah. I was watching some of your um your TikToks and I'm like Oh my goodness. Her running outfit looks so hot. Like, oh my goodness. If I were dressed in that many clothes, I would be dying by the side of the road. Literally.
2: (laughs) I was not doing well in this fleece. I I even said it on the video for today's run. I'm like, this fleece is already doing too much because, and I was like a mile in, but I'm in town. If I was at home, I would just stash it in the cornfield mm-hmm. um, and pick it up on my way back. But I'm like, I don't know where to put this. People are going to think I'm like littering or something. <laughs> so <laughs> I just kept it on.
1: <laughs> so l- looking back over the content that you've produced, is there a particular video where you highlighted a struggle or, or an issue that, that resonated the most, like that really seemed to connect with yeah. a lot of people?
2: It's hard to pick one, <laughs> honestly, but while you were saying that, the I'll say the first one that popped into my mind was training for that first virtual marathon. It was summer. It was hot. I didn't get out early enough in the day. I was dehydrated probably to start the run. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, running up this hill and I showed everything. I was running up it. I started to feel dizzy and I had to stop and I hydrated and then I walked a bunch and then I had to call my husband And be like, I like you have to pick me up. I just can't, Mm -hmm. I can't do it. And I wasn't scared to post that video because at that point, I already knew the comment section. Like, I have. The most amazing people that watch my videos. So I wasn't worried that people would poo poo me for that. Right. Um, but I do remember a lot of people saying, like, thank you for showing this because um, whenever I have to do this, like, I don't even know if I should count the run. And I'm like, you should hmm. count that times two. Yeah. Because your body was working so hard that you got dizzy. And the mental toughness that you had to have to make that call mm-hmm. to walk and, you know, get over that is more than just a typical run that you felt was really easy so yeah I feel like those should count twice
0: (laughs) yeah there's no shame in listening to your body and realizing like this is not safe and I need to
2: yeah if you're feeling dizzy or family or or nauseous or something you better stop running
0: Yeah. yeah. And I feel like Pennsylvania kind of has like (laughs) the triple threat of hell because in the summer it's Mm -hmm. hot, humid, and hilly. Yes. (laughs) And it's like things can go bad really quickly if you're not careful. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Hot, humid, hilly, hell. Yes. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So you said you had a great experience at the New York City Marathon and you ran as part of the Michael J. Fox team to support Mm -hmm. Parkinson's research. Yeah. Do you have a personal connection to that cause
2: yeah, I, I do. My dad has Parkinson's and mm. he was diagnosed, uh, I would say, 10 years ago, almost. It's kind of hard to find like resources and stuff like that. But when we were Googling, as you do when your you know family gets diagnosed <laughs> mm-hmm. with something, all the things that came up were Michael J. Fox um, mm-hmm. Foundation, resources, clinical trials, everything was all right there. So I was already familiar with the foundation. But um, to get to raise money for, you know, Parkinson's research was such an important thing to me. Um, We were able, between TikTok and Instagram, we were able to raise um, $79,000 for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. So, I mean, that to me was life-changing in itself. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, you know, we're on the Today Show. They brought my dad out. I mean, it was like this whole thing, this whole whirlwind of amazingness Mm. that, um, happened because of that. But, um, and I'm hoping to do that again this year with team Fox in Chicago, but for New York city, because when I got the news that I could run that race, um, I only had, I think it was three weeks less training than I would have had if I could have done New Jersey. So Mm -hmm. I was already a little hesitant and my mindset going in was just like, just finish it. We raised all this money. This is an awesome cause. Just have fun. When else are you going to get to run over these bridges without cars on them and just like see the city? Yes. So, I really went into it just experiencing a big party for like 5 plus hours. <laughs> and um I of course filmed everything. I had my GoPro out. I had my phone out. Um, anyone that yelled Mrs. Space Cadet, I was like taking selfies and Aww. videos and I cried probably I would say at least twenty times, like full on cried when like someone happy tears? else? Oh yeah, happy <laughs> tears. Happy tears, happy tears. <laughs> when when I saw someone else and they would be crying because they saw me, I was it was instant tears. Because that's, you know, like I said, I got started right before the pandemic. This was my first in person. Not just in-person marathon, but seeing people that watch my videos in person. Yep. So they weren't mm. just comments, like oh, little wow. names and words in the comment section. They were real people. Yeah. And I was able to give them hugs. And I, so I was a mess. Like my <laughs> face was, I woke up. Sadly, to go on the Today Show the next day with my face like swollen because <laughs> I was crying so much. Like, yeah, where are the ice packs for this? <laughs> I know. Get me cucumber slices.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like an amazing experience.
1: Did the marathon live up to the challenge that you thought it would be? Especially after mile twenty,
2: it did. Yeah, although when I said in in some of my videos that I was worried about having even less training than I was going to have initially everyone kept saying that the crowd's going to carry you through, the crowds will carry. And I'm like, I don't really think <laughs> that they can like, work a miracle carry here. <laughs> right? Because I mean, I'm not feeling good on these runs. And I was really trying to just like trust the process and trust my body that I could do it. But now I get it. You know, you're coming off of those bridges where it it's dead quiet and it's just your footsteps and your breathing and you know, I can barely pass this eighty-year-old guy dressed as Superman, and I'm like really struggling. But then you come out, and it's just screaming crowds, um, nonstop, and it just energizes you. Every and a lot of the boroughs that you enter into, they're like blaring whatever music that they want, whatever kind of party they want to have. And I'm like, I'm so energized by music, so that really helped me along. Um, but yeah, it was really, really hard, but worth it. Worth it enough to sign up for another
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's the key point, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so you
0: mentioned being really pumped up, inspired by music. Um, how did you come up with the idea to do an interpretive dance to sum up some of your runs? Because I know people really <laughs> get a kick out of that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't really know why I started doing it, but after a few times, I think it it was at more entertainment for myself. And however I can just be more weird, I feel like just fuels me a little more. <laughs> so, but after a few times of doing that, I was like, you know what? I feel like this is kind of gives me reflection on the run because I'll act it out, kind of like in a few seconds. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm being funny, it's almost like I have closure after each run. It's like, all right, yeah. Then I really struggled, but then I came out and this, then I saw like flowers, and it was exciting, and the dopamine's hitting. Oh, but then I'm tired again, and you know, and then that's the end of the video. It just, yeah, it just is full circle for me.
1: <laughs> it really helps you process it. Yeah, that it is- does.
2: Yeah, that's the good. That's a better way of saying it, it helps mm-hmm. me process the whole run. <laughs>
1: I want to see Angie try it after her next run.
2: I think so. Yeah. You got to show us your moves. I'm like the most introverted introvert. <laughs> so, like, I can't that's dance to better. save my life. So, the, the more awkwardness with interpretive yeah, dance, see? the better. <laughs> right.
0: My kids are already <laughs> embarrassed enough of me. I think they might like move out or something.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm doing this while my kids are little because they, they can't yell at me yet. I'm sure yeah. like in a couple of years, my oldest will be like, Mom, that's like, so, it's I'm so doing cringy. That
1: yeah. You can break out that dance at. Key moments in your kids' lives to embarrass them. (laughs) Yes. Like you better
2: listen right now or I will interpretive dance in front of all your friends.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That will be the gift that keeps on giving. It'll get you through their teenage years.
2: (laughs) Yes. That's
1: right.
0: (laughs) So what advice would you give to new runners, people maybe who have like one foot into running or they're like running curious?
2: I would say um, I know a lot of people say um, don't compare yourself to others, but I also like to say don't compare yourself to yourself because you can have a really great run and especially as women we have um, a lot of like ups and downs in terms of our endurance throughout our cycles so you can have a really easy run and it could be 10 miles and you'd be like wow that's great and but if you go into your next run expecting that you're in for a really disappointing time yeah. <laughs> I would say potentially and um so I feel like that's something I learned I feel like this past year is I'm not even going to compare myself to myself because I could be a completely different runner and person next week than I am right now. Um, And I think that helps me just deal with those tough runs and also not getting stuck on. If you're the type of person that has to do all the research about everything before you start like don't because you will never, there's so much about running. So even just shoes, Yeah. like you, just to go look at the names of shoes and the different phones, like FZ 500 carbon. Yeah. It's like, just get a running shoe that fits your foot. Okay. Right. And, and get started. You'll learn along the way, like what gear you need, what shorts won't ride up your thighs, you know,
0: where you need to apply the anti-chafing ointment. <laughs>
2: Yeah, where you need to exactly where you need to apply the ointment—that's <laughs> a good one too. And um, because then you can think back if you keep doing that. Well, imagine if you started a month ago, where you would be instead of procrastinating and thinking you need to do all this, just start now because the physical and mental benefits—even a fifteen-minute mile—is enormous and will be life-changing.
1: Well, tell us about the Why I Run podcast and the other stuff you got going on.
2: Yeah, I I feel so lucky to be a co-host of the Why I Run podcast because I feel like the people I get to interview, I would never get to meet or talk to in real life. They're either, you know, uh, an ultra runner um, or someone that's not a professional runner who I just interviewed recently who wears a pink suit to run all his races in. So it's anywhere from like an everyday super interesting runner to a professional runner that wins all the races that they go to. So it's really interesting because each episode is a different reason why people run. Mm. I run definitely for my mental health, but it really opened my eyes to all the other reasons people run. Like some people run just to be with other people. And some people run because it helps them to be creative. So really doing like a deep dive into those has been life changing, even for my own running, because sometimes people on there will share. um, For example, somebody shared this tip, like uh, in terms of mental health, if you're having a really stressful day, she envisioned every time her foot hits the pavement or the dirt that it's cracking a shell of the stress and anxiety that mm. she had going into the run. And nice. she imagines it, you know, being broken off. Yeah, that was super helpful. So
0: you can like borrow people's reasons, um, you know, when you're having a tough time and yeah. it'll help get you through your run.
2: Yeah. So it was really neat to, to interview, you know, not just like professionals, because I feel like they bring a lot of like education to help us run in terms of like form and fueling and um, their routines. Like I even started listening to podcasts like this or I'll just um, search in Spotify for like Sarah Hall or yep. Kira D'Amato, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just listen to like how they run. But I feel like, you know, the average everyday runner has so many mindset tricks. That I had no clue. I feel like we could have a whole podcast just on that. Yeah.
0: Oh, I think that would be great. Yeah. (laughs) So what's next for you? You um, mentioned that you're running, hopefully it's a Chicago marathon for team Mm -hmm. Fox. Uh, Are you trying to do all the world marathon majors?
2: Eventually. I don't, I don't want to like officially pin that on myself (laughs) because honestly, I just imagine all the people that had, for example, like Tokyo on their list. And then the pandemic happened. Yeah. So they couldn't even physically get to Tokyo or, you know, the other ones overseas, but I do eventually want to do all six. So I have one down. Yes.
1: It gets addictive, doesn't it?
2: It it does. And <laughs> also just hearing these people that have done all of them talk about the magic of each one and, you know, certain things stand out about each one. I'm like, well, I have like serious FOMO if I don't do <laughs> yeah. that one, you know. <laughs> exactly. How about
1: how about runners and their bling? What do you think of that?
2: <laughs> oh, like their medals? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um embarrassing story. I can't find my New York City Uh marathon medal. (laughs)
0: Look in your kids'
2: rooms. (laughs) I know. I know. I think we were trying to go on like this organization spree a few months ago. We're like, yeah, we're going to put this with this. And now we don't know what this was. But so I always was like, oh, why do people put all the medals up there? Well, now I see because you will lose it. It will (laughs) be packed away in some box in your attic. So... I think I'm going to be one of those marathoners with the bling uh, hanging from a little fancy hanger thing someday. Yep, start <laughs> your wall. Your wall yeah, I'm going to start the wall.
1: <laughs> well, it's been great to finally uh, get to meet you, albeit virtually uh, through the yes. internet. Aaron? I
2: know, I know, but hopefully we get to meet in person sometime.
1: Let's uh, let's tell people where to go if they want to find out more about you and and find you online.
2: Yeah, so I do have a website, if that's easier, mrsspacecadet.com. And I'm also on TikTok, Mrs. Space Cadet, and also Instagram and Twitter. I'm Mrs. Space Cadet.
1: Where did that name come from?
2: Oh, Mrs. Space Cadet. Yeah. Oh, when I was um, younger, I was in Girl Scouts for a brief period of time, and we went on a trip, uh, like a field trip. I lost my lunch money. I went up to my friend's mom and I said, I, I lost my lunch money. I don't know where it is. And she goes, "Aaron, you're such a space cadet. <laughs> and I don't think people really use that term much anymore, but it just means you're spacey. You can't like you lose everything and and you're kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. Um. So but as I was growing up, that was like a really frustrating thing for me because I couldn't help being like that. It was just mm-hmm. part of how my brain works, I guess. So once I got into social media and, you know, being more creative, I'm like, I'm going to use that as my name because it obviously is very descriptive <laughs> of me.
0: <laughs> and you can channel that messiness into some awesome content that's going to help and relate, you know, to people. So
2: yeah, the more chaos, the better, really.
1: <laughs> I think your your friend's mom or whoever that was that told you that she was probably, thinking of your future that she knew you were going to launch out big on the internet. Yeah, one day, I
2: think I need to start paying her royalties or something. <laughs> the stratosphere <laughs> of TikTok. Right. right.
1: <laughs> well, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erin Azar. Big thanks to Aaron for joining us on the MTA podcast. Definitely check her out and uh, see her hilarious videos. Well, in just a moment, we want to talk about returning to exercise after COVID. And not just covid but any kind of viral infection but before we do that big thanks to metpro for sponsoring the podcast and for helping angie get her amazing triceps because of their metpro tricep workouts right
0: yeah when i after i finished my strength training this morning you kind of asked me what i was doing i was logging the workout in the metpro app they have a huge catalog of workouts that you can do if you're working with a metpro coach they will often give you specific workouts to do based on your goals, it's a really great system um, to go along with the nutrition tracking as well. But one great thing is that if you're working with a MetPro coach, let's say you're traveling or you need to eat out a lot, um, they can help you look at the menu and recommend things based on your specific macros for that meal. The great thing about MetPro is that it really works with your metabolism So that you can reach your fitness, your body composition, your running goals, whatever they are, um, in really a manageable way.
1: Check them out at metpro.co forward slash MTA. Free consultation call. And if you decide to work with one of their coaches, you can save $500 with our link, metpro.co forward slash MTA. All right, so let's talk about returning to exercise after having COVID or some other viral infection. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's safe to say that a majority of our listeners have probably been infected with COVID at some point in the last two plus years. Unfortunately, there wasn't much information or research in the beginning about exercise and COVID. And, you know, it kind of leaves you in this gray zone of like, should I be working out? Should I not? Is this going to set back my healing? And one of the coaches on our team, Coach Athena, is really focused on emerging research in sports medicine and was very gracious to provide two helpful articles that she's come across and used with her coaching clients. The first article comes from the National Academy of Sports Medicine. It's entitled Exercising with COVID. And it starts by asking the question, does exercise reduce the effects of COVID-19? And they say, the short answer is yes. Sedentary individuals may suffer more long-term COVID-19 complications than active individuals. Researchers from the United States recently published a large-scale study of 48,400 adults with COVID. The researchers found that inactive individuals, um, that's defined as less than 10 minutes per week of exercise, had a greater risk of hospitalization, admission to the intensive care unit, and death due to COVID-19. They go on to say that more active individuals, which they define as up to 150 plus minutes of exercise per week, had more minor risk factors. Researchers from Brazil also found similar positive outcomes among active individuals, having a 34.3% reduction in hospitalizations compared to sedentary individuals. So that's very good news for those of us who are active that it does protect us um, to some degree from some infections. Um, The article also asked, should you work out while sick? Um, And it says, quote, researchers have documented that short bouts up to 45 minutes of moderate level exercise may improve immune function and be beneficial for individuals with viral infections like influenza or COVID or the common cold. The severity of symptoms and days of illness might be reduced by exercises. The research is promising. However, experts still caution sick individuals not to expose others to the illness and not to overtrain themselves through prolonged intense exercise, which may cause immunosuppression. Sometimes rest can be the best medicine. And you know, when your body is undergoing the stress of fighting off an infection, it is important not to give it more stress by pushing yourself through your normal exercise routine. Another thing that the article addressed is what are the COVID-19 long-term complications and the risk for myocarditis among athletes and fitness enthusiasts. Um, A little sidebar, myocarditis is inflammation of the middle layer of the heart wall. It's usually caused by a viral infection. And if you get a severe case, it can weaken the heart, leading to possible heart failure, abnormal heartbeat, and sudden death. So not a good thing. The article goes on to say that researchers have documented that 80% of individuals hospitalized with COVID experienced at least one lingering symptom six months after recovering. The five most common long-term symptoms include fatigue, headache, attention disorder, hair loss, and shortness of breath. Other common long-term symptoms may include but are not limited to cough, chest pain, intermittent fevers, musculoskeletal pain, and heart palpitations. So I'm guessing that most of us and our listeners in the audience were not hospitalized with COVID, and thankfully, you know, we should be less susceptible to some of these more serious symptoms. Um, when I had COVID about six months ago, I do have some lingering complaints, um, brain fog for one, and parosmia, which is a disorder of the sense of smell. I often notice an acrid smell. Although most of my smell has returned, it's just I can smell burning a lot.
1: And just want to say it doesn't come from me.
0: (laughs) No, it is not Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, I, I definitely relate to people who have had long term symptoms and complications. Fortunately, mine are not severe. Um, The article goes on to say, quote, individuals with long-term complications are often classified as long haulers due to lingering issues. One emerging complication is heart conditions, including myocarditis, which we were just talking about. They say researchers have documented that 10 to 30% of hospitalized individuals with COVID-19 have suffered from some type of heart condition, including myocarditis. For athletes and fitness enthusiasts, myocarditis has become a growing concern among experts. It is the leading cause of sudden death among competitive athletes. Research studies have documented an increase in myocarditis among competitive athletes who have had COVID 19. Cardiac screening has proven to be an excellent method of detecting myocarditis or any other cardiac risk factors for athletes and active individuals who are returning to exercise after having COVID 19. So it's always a good policy that if you feel like something is not right, if you've been noticing, elevated heart rate, um, your resting heart rate is not where it should be. And, you know, you're having any kind of like respiratory symptoms, feeling like you're having heart palpitations, to get evaluated by your healthcare professional and possibly a sports cardiologist.
1: So here are four key tips on returning to exercise post COVID.
0: Yes. And this comes from an article called Health Plus High Performance Australia. It's entitled Returning to Exercise After COVID-19. The first tip is to wait until symptoms have cleared. They say, avoid performing strenuous exercise while still experiencing COVID symptoms, i.e. breathlessness, cough, and fever. It's recommended to wait 10 days from onset of symptoms or seven days after cessation of symptoms, whichever comes later, before starting to return to exercise. Plus, you should be able to do all of your daily activities and be able to walk 500 plus meters, or that's a third of a mile for those of us in the United States, without excessive fatigue. And I would add to that, it would be wise to wait until you can walk three miles at a brisk pace without fatigue or excessive symptoms before returning to running. I remember when I had COVID that The first week I didn't do anything at all. I just didn't have the energy. And the second week I started to walk. And just walking for a couple of miles at an easy pace was extremely fatiguing and, you know, made me breathless. And so it was very slow coming back from it. So you don't want to rush that um, because you can set yourself back. The second tip is start easy. Um, They say, quote, this might seem obvious, but some feel that because they've missed all this training, they need to play catch up and start with a tough session. Not only can your body take time to recover from the illness, but there will be a loss of fitness after one to two weeks off of training. Initially limit intensity to 70% maximum heart rate and keep the duration short around 15 to 30 minutes. Um, And, you know, like I said earlier, every runner's experience with COVID is going to look a bit different based on a variety of factors. When I was recovering, it took me around six weeks before I was able to return to my, quote, normal training schedule. Um, If you had very mild symptoms or if they cleared quickly, then your return to normal will probably take less time. But I think it's important to be patient with the process. The third tip is to avoid loading spikes. The article says, quote, Unfortunately, with time away from training, there will be deloading and loss of fitness. Caution must be taken when increasing training loads to avoid creating loading spikes. This is one of the possible explanations for the increase in running injuries in those who have been infected with COVID. Runners coming off a break may have ramped up their training too quickly, which then caused an injury. Anecdotally, we've seen a number of people returning to exercising and experiencing a higher than usual heart rate, so keep the effort low. Generally speaking, if there have been two weeks of no training, it can take four weeks to safely rebuild to pre-infection levels. So they give some guidelines here, which I think are really good. In the first week back of training, aim for 25% of pre-illness volume. You should be doing all easy runs and limiting it to 70% maximum heart rate. In the second week, you can increase to 50% of the pre-illness volume if week one went well. All easy runs still, and you can increase the intensity to 80% maximum heart rate, but no speed work. And I would say also no long runs. In the third week, you can increase to 75% of pre-illness volume if the preceding week went well again. You can start light speed work and a moderate length long run if you don't feel an increase in fatigue. So they're just kind of talking about how you want to start back super gradually. You don't want to be just jumping right back in and you know, then getting injured or being frustrated that you've had a setback in your training. They say, while there have been many elite athletes that have bounced back from COVID to record historical performances in the weeks and months following, there have also been some that have continued to suffer persistent symptoms for months post-infection. And earlier in the episode, Trevor, we talked about how Emily Sissons set the American half-marathon record And when I met her at the Boston Marathon event, one of the things she talked about was returning to fitness after having COVID earlier in the year. And for a number of weeks after her symptoms were gone, she was only able to do easy runs without her heart rate spiking and going anaerobic. And she was being very careful to listen to her body, but it was very frustrating to her because she was worried that her hard-won fitness was slipping away. And she didn't know what the future would hold, you know, if she wouldn't be able to do hard workouts So it's great to know that her fears were unfounded, obviously, with that great performance. The fourth tip is to listen to your body. Um, The article says, quote, lastly, if something is not feeling right, when you've returned to exercise, get checked by your health professional. There have been many cases of persistent fatigue, heart and lung issues post COVID. So if in doubt, get it checked. And you know, again, just be patient with yourself. Don't assume that because your partner or your running friend bounced back in a certain time frame, that you will as well. Um, this is a time to, like I said, listen to your body, be kind to your body, and realize that you will regain your fitness, but it may take some time.
1: Has that been your experience?
0: Yeah, it has been. I feel like, you know, in most aspects, I'm completely back to normal. Um, other than my, the burning smell and brain fog, <laughs> which maybe could be blamed on something else. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Everything's normal. It just smells like burning hair everywhere. <laughs> I'm no sorry baby. to hear that. Oh man. All right. Well, hope that's helpful. Once again, the article recommends wait until your symptoms have cleared. Number two, start easy. Number three, avoid loading spikes. And number four, listen to your body, which is always good advice. Always for everything, right? (laughs) That's right. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thanks again to Inside Tracker for sponsoring the show. Get a blood test and find out what's going on at insidetracker.com forward slash MTA. You'll get 20% off. And finally, if there's any way we can help you in your training, please reach out. We have a contact form on our website at marathontrainingacademy.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, always remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way, right on my-